Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Friends, this morning we are studying a sermon series called Redefine. We are redefining how we do relationships. You can see it's written there, relating like people matter. Relating like people matter. How we treat people is important in the eyes of God. How we speak to people, it's important in the eyes of God. How we relate with one another, it's important in the eyes of God. So the word I'll be speaking on today is one of those that the enemy knows that it's going to be one of those that we're going to need lots of prayer So we didn't have electricity for 24 hours on Friday. It only came back yesterday. Uh, We had gate problems. We had all kinds of problems you can think of. We had a roof leak even, you know, in one week, you know. But I know that God is going to do something amazing with this word today. Amen. That being said, the reason we are doing this sermon series is so that we will know what God says about relationships. So there are a couple of questions that we're going to answer. But before we do that, I want to mention that this series is PG-17. All right, you can see that. Children under 17 require a company parent or an adult guardian. All right, so we're basically not going to hold back. And if you have a child here who's less than uh, 17 and you've already done the talk with them, that's okay. You know what I'm talking about, right? You've done the talk with them. Uh, the birds and the bees, what, what is it called these days? I don't know. You know, things have changed. Um, so we're going to talk and we're going to talk openly. We're going to have a conversation about how we should uh, relate. So if you go to the next slide, you'll see the questions we're going to endeavor to answer with the series. The first one is, how do male and female friendships work in Christian community? How do male and female relationships work in Christian community? And a tough question, is there room for single people in the church? And I know that all of us, we can say a simple yes, but the reality is I know that some people have felt isolated in the church because it feels like we tend to celebrate marriage and married people more than we celebrate single people. So it is very important as a church to take responsibility and ownership to say, uh, just because you're single, it doesn't mean there's anything missing in your life. You've got God, you've got Jesus, you've got all that you need to live this life. And though you may be in a season of waiting, it's important to honor God in that season, to live your life to the full, not to wait forever. So we're going to be talking about some of those. Best practices for relating with in-laws, others will know it as in-loves and extended family. So watch the space. In two weeks' time, we're going to go there. We're going to talk about how to best relate with in-laws and in-loves. And then finally, we're going to be addressing spiritual family, whether is it a higher calling than marriage. And I know for some people, like I've already said, we seem to exalt marriage above even spiritual family. May I remind you that marriage is going to end here on earth? When we get to heaven, there's no lovey-dovey. When we get to heaven, my brothers and sisters, that's all of you that I have when we get to heaven. So those are some of the questions we're going to address. 
I also want to start by saying, as we do the sermon series, I'm going to ask you to open up your heart to hear what God wants to say to you individually, what God is challenging you to redefine and to rethink differently about relationships. So our topic today, it is friends with benefits, friends with benefits. And I know that that's a bit of a, a controversial title already. I've uh, figured out that the young people call it FWB, friends with benefits. So the first question is, is it wrong to have friends with benefits? Yes, no, maybe. It's complicated. I don't know. <laughs> Some will say it depends, you know. Let me give you the world's view on this question. Let's start with the world's view. The world's view, it's actually from the dictionary. Friends with benefits is described as a friend whom one has occasional or casual sexual relationship. So that's how they view friends with benefits. In fact, what I call internet commentary, this is what it say. A website called brides.com. For a lot of people, FWB relationships are a great way to scratch a sexual itch without having to commit the time or emotional investment into a full-blown relationship. I remember when I was working as an engineer at Unilever many years ago, uh, Quentin, you were disclosing how old you were when you were asking how many years people have been in the church. In fact, we did a quick audit. Nicola has been in the church for 32 years. 32 years. I mean, she's been here for as long as I can remember. When I was working as an engineer and I was getting ready to get married to Lindy, one of my colleagues said something I'll never forget, and it really pained my heart to think that's how the world views marriage. He said to me, marriage is the most expensive way to get sex. Marriage is the most expensive way to get sex. Almost like discrediting the institution that God has created. I mean, we were just talking about honoring institutions a few weeks ago. Last week, we spoke about overcoming an orphan spirit. So I want us to reclaim and restore these institutions that God has created without exalting them, without making them above what God has instituted. So the question is, what does the Bible say? I'm going to start with Proverbs 17, 17. The Bible says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. When you read it in the NLT, it says, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in a time of need. So if I were to look at it from a scriptural point of view, there's definitely benefits in friendships. We do get benefits. There are benefits in friendships, but not the way the world describes it. Not the way the world describes it. As friends, we need to know the boundaries of friendships. We need to have boundaries. The Bible says a friend is always loyal. A friend is always there. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for when times are difficult. That's the kind of friendships we want to have. There are definitely benefits to friendships in a godly way and with boundaries. There are so many examples in the Bible of uh, friends with benefits. Let's look at uh, Moses and Aaron. Even though they were biological brothers, they chose to be friends and to be partners. In fact, it was God-ordained that they should be working together to go and set the Israelites free from um, 
their oppression in Egypt. They had the same values. They covered each other's weaknesses. They fought for the same team. And also, they were unique in their functions and calling, yet they chose to work together. They chose to partner together. I want to say to those of you who are in business, be very careful who you partner with. Be very, very careful who you partner with. Because there are times when we get into partnerships that end up going south, and that was not God-ordained. And then we ask the question of male-female friendships in the Bible. There's many examples, but I want to give you this one. Um, Jesus, Martha, and Mary. When you read John 11, verse 5, the Bible says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. You know, I, as I was reading that, that verse in John eleven five, 5, I was surprised why John said, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Why didn't he just say Mary? Why didn't he just mention her name? You know, it, it sounds to me like John was saying, um, uh, uh, Jesus loved Martha and the honor Osi and then Lazarus. As if like John had issues with Mary. Remember who Mary was. Mary was the lady who sat at Jesus' feet. Remember that Mary is the one who washed Jesus' feet. I mean, there's two occasions where uh, someone else, a different woman, washed Jesus' feet. But also Mary did wash Jesus' feet. Something there about this relationship in terms of intimacy that Jesus had. But at the same time, there were boundaries. I know that some people will stretch the theology that is in these verses of Scripture, of the Bible. So it, it's okay to have relationships male to female with boundaries. Let me say to single people, be very clear on your boundaries, otherwise you're going to regret it later. If you are not clear on your boundaries, you are definitely going to regret, regret it later. That is why we've called the sermon today, Friends with Benefits, but there must be boundaries. For married people, one of the principles that Lindy and I have had that I believe has protected our marriage is if a woman wants to be my friend, they must also be open to being Lindy's friend. Period. If a man wants to be my wife's friend, they must also be open to be my friend. Period. I don't see myself going to movies with a lady friend and then we're friends, we are buddy-buddy. No. We're talking about how we relate with one another. If we are to relate, the Bible says we need to treat each other with absolute purity. So sisters in the house of the Lord must feel safe with me that if they're going to spend time with me, that Lindy knows if I'm going to have coffee or a meeting with a lady. But if that lady wants to become friends, you have to be friends with Lindy. That's how it works. And that's why I say it's protected our marriage because we've seen some marriages being destroyed by those friendships that there was no clarity and no boundaries, gray areas. Things are not defined. We are redefining today. Amen. Even if you're quiet, it's okay. <laughs> okay, the text we're going to look at for today is the story of David and Jonathan. And um, what I want to do with the story, we're going to read a few portions of Scripture to help us understand how we should relate with one another and some principles that we draw from this relationship from David and Jonathan. And we're going to endeavor to answer this question, 
you know, what is the state of your friendship relationships? What is the state of the relationships that God has put uh, in your life? And if you need to redefine, use the opportunity to redefine. We're reading from chapter 18 of 1 Samuel. And the context here is if you're reading chapter 17, David had just slain Goliath. And David is now speaking with Saul. I mean, you can imagine the gory scene where David uh, is holding um, Goliath's head before Saul, like, I've just slain this giant, you know. And uh, Saul is standing there thinking, man, this young boy, you know what, there's something about this young boy to slay and kill this giant. But it's amazing. You'll see where we're reading what happened between David and Saul at that moment, David and Jonathan, at that moment. When Jonathan experienced David stepping into God's destiny for his life. So let's read from verse 1. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, this is David, the soul of Jonathan was neat to the soul of David. And Jonathan moved him, Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that, he was, that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. So that Saul sent him all over with the man of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also the sight of Saul's servant. So if we pause there for a little bit, from what we read, we understand that Saul witnessed this moment where David had just slain a giant and saw something peculiar about David. And so interesting when we look at Jonathan, actually Jonathan was a firstborn child to Saul, therefore he was the crown prince. He was the one to become king. But what we read here is that he, he's saying to David, my brother, can we enter into covenant? He loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan saw something that day that only the Spirit of the Lord could reveal to him. He saw that actually David was meant to be king over Israel. And he did not let his own personal agenda, his own rights to determine what God wanted to do. He allowed himself, he submitted himself to the purposes of God. So these words, he loved David as he loved his own soul, is the same as he loved him as he loved himself. These words, we see them eight times in the Bible and even from Jesus, where Jesus says, the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your heart. And then it says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we're bringing it closer to home now. How can we love our neighbors if we don't love ourselves? So don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about being self-absorbed, being self-obsessed with yourself. I'm talking about knowing that you're meant to care for yourself and love who God has made you to be before you can love others. Some of us, we struggle to love others the same as David loved Jonathan because we struggle to love ourselves. We are not comfortable under our skin in the way that God made us. 
And I'm speaking as one who has had to deal with that and realize who God has made me to be. And as soon as I accept who I am and who God has made me to be, it makes it so easy to love other people. And I'm sharing this today, realizing that I am not perfect. I wish. I'm sharing this, realizing that our marriage and our friendship, our relationship is not perfect, but I want to endeavor to love myself well so that I can love others well. So the question is, what is the state of your friendship relationships? Do you feel loved or do you feel used? Do you feel loved or do you feel used? I mean, taking from David and Jonathan, uh, Jonathan could have just used David. Okay, you're going to be my armor bearer. You're going to be my buddy, but I'm the one to be king. But he chose to give up being king. He loved him so much that he chose to give up being king. Do you feel seen? I like how Quentin got us to uh, greet each other this morning. You know, life can be so busy where we just walk past each other. We forget to actually gaze upon each other and see the beauty that God has created in us. So in our friendship or in your friendships, do you feel seen? Do you feel loved or do you feel used? I'm speaking as one who knows. I'm sure you know how it feels like when you feel used in a friendship. I've been there, done that, and left the WhatsApp group. <laughs> Literally. Sorry, Q. That's why I left your group. <laughs> I'm still on the WhatsApp group. Though I don't come to the group. There's something important about knowing when the friendship has come to an end. Don't try to force it. Some people you're meant to journey with them until a certain point and then move on. Because it ends up just being one way where you're giving, giving, giving. They're taking, taking, taking. That's when you start feeling used. So we're going to read now 1 Samuel chapter 20, another occurrence. And in this occurrence, we realize that Saul became jealous of David because God had rejected Saul as king. And it was very clear that Jonathan was supporting David to become king. And then Saul wanted to kill David. And we read how Jonathan was doing his best to protect his friend from his dead. Talk about dysfunctional relationships. Imagine that your dad wants to kill your best friend, and you have to choose your best friend and not your dad. There's a book called A Tale of Three Kings where you read about these three, uh, David, Saul, and, and Jonathan, and you see the dysfunction that was in that relationship. And we read here from verse 41 to verse 42, when Jonathan warns David about his dad wanting to kill him. And he said to him, you know, uh, this day, because it was going to be the new moon, um, you must hide yourself in the field somewhere, and then I will take a bow and arrow, and then I'll shoot an arrow, and I'll send a boy to come and grab the arrow. If I say to the boy, the arrow is beyond you, you, David, must run away because my dad wants to kill you for sure. If I say to the boy, the arrow is this side of you, then it means, David, you can come back home, you are safe. I'll encourage you to go and read the story. I'm just giving you paraphrases. So verse 41, as soon as the boy had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face on the ground and bowed three times, and they kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. Then Jonathan said to David, go in peace. 
because we have sown both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you, and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And he rose and he departed, and Jonathan went into the city. So we are actually dealing with some of the very difficult uh, portions of Scripture in the Bible. When you read something like that, that they kissed one another, some people struggle with it. And some people say, did the two men kiss? And then if you go to the jewishencyclopedia.com, you actually get to understand that in the culture, men would kiss with one another. But the way they kiss, they would actually kiss on the cheeks in alternating ways. Are we together? I didn't want to model it in front of the church queue. You're fine. Don't worry. But if you can picture two men kissing each other, in some countries they still do that as well. Um, I know that in the context of the DRC Congo, men actually, they, they hit their heads when they greet each other. You know, some cultures within the Hebrew context, they will actually touch each other's soldiers as a way of uh, kiss, is showing affection. In the Hebrew culture, some of them, they actually uh, touch each other's beard as a way of greeting each other. I kind of have seen that before. You know, some African cultures, they do that when they greet each other. You know, and and... I'm saying this so that we can take away the sexualization that has been placed in the Scripture. We need to desexualize it. Some people have used the Scripture to justify bromance. Nothing wrong with bromance as long as you know your boundaries. So we need to be careful of those things that we read in Scripture, and now we start to relate in ways that actually are not glorifying God. So it is important for us to know the context of what we read here. When David and Jonathan cut covenant, it was a friendship that was ordained by God, that was spiritual, not the way that it's been sexualized today. I mean, there's other um, examples in Scripture where men kissed that way. You, You can go and read it, as I said, in the Jewish encyclopedia. Joseph and his brothers... Also, we have Naomi and Oprah when they greeted each other. The Bible says they kissed. Now, let's jump to 1 Samuel 23. I want to bring two more points for us before we start to wrap it up. 1 Samuel 23. Saul continues to pursue David, wants to kill David. We read verse, uh, verse, 25, verse 15 to 18. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziv at Horish. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish. And he strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of my father Saul shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made covenant. And before the Lord, David remained at Horish, and Jonathan went home. Such a beautiful friendship that we see here. Jonathan strengthened David while David was running away from Jonathan's dead. So the question I have for us is, in the relationships that you have, do you feel strengthened Or do you feel strengthless? Do you feel drained, especially after you spend time with the people? 
You know, there's certain friendships that when you're around those people, you actually ask yourself, where am I here? You ask yourself, why am I sitting here, you know? And when you leave, you actually leave drained instead of being strengthened. Let me put it this way to you. True friends will roll up their sleeves because they are not afraid of showing their scars. True friends will roll up their sleeves. They're not afraid to be vulnerable, to actually say, hey, by the way, I'm going through the same thing that you're going through. Not those friends who are pretending like they got it all together all the time. True friends will show their vulnerabilities and their scars. We are blown away by how Jonathan gave up his right to become king because he saw the hand of the Lord that was upon David. Do we have those kinds of friends who will celebrate who we are and who God has called us to be? Do we have those kinds of friends who will push you up to become king versus push you down? You know, I'm challenged by this because I have seen friends who actually celebrate when you are going down, when things are not working out for you, versus friends who want you to succeed. You know, I have a group of friends that we studied together at Verts, and some of them are still in this church. Uh, some of them are executives in companies. Some of them run their own businesses. I mean, we are like a band of brothers. Um, when things are tough, those are the guys I call on to. You know, when Lindy and I got married, I called those guys the angels. They put together our wedding. They even helped me pay Lobola. No one has ever had this before, right? Don't tell Lindy's dad, but he... Is not there anymore, so it's okay. What I like about this friendship is that when we go through tough times, we are there for one another. When I became a pastor, the guy said, we are behind you, we'll support you. That's the kind of friendships you want to have. I mean, the friendships that we have, uh, Lindy and I with Roger and Nicola, they are constantly wanting us to succeed. Those are the kinds of friends you want to have. They are constantly looking for opportunities to push us to become all that God has called us to be. And I pray that you will have those kinds of friends too. Not those who will push you down, but those who will push you up. When we read the last portion that I want us to read today is in um, 2 Samuel chapter 1 verse 25 to 27, unfortunately, Saul died in war. Jonathan also died in war. And now David is getting ready to become king. And the way David mourned for Jonathan, we're going to read it here, and it's, it's, it's so challenging, the way he mourns for Jonathan. It's a dirge. It's a song of lament. It's a song of uh, mourning. And the words that he uses are going to bring us to something that I want us to share and talk about today. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I'm distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. Interesting, plural right there. Surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. So the friendship between David and Jonathan helps us to desexualize friendships and intimacy. 
Intimacy and sex, while often overlapping, they are not identical. No, they are always concurrent. I'm going to put it this way, and you will never forget this. It is possible to have lots of sex without intimacy. David, at the time that he wrote this and he sang the song, he had three wives, but he's, he's got the audacity to say that my friendship with you, Jonathan, surpasses the love of a woman or women in plural. So you can have intimate friendships and relationships without necessarily sexualizing them. King David may well be an example of that. Consider these words that he uses. His relationships with women were deeply complicated. David's words about deep intimacy he enjoyed with Jonathan may indicate that sexual relationships he had with women in life lacked real intimacy. So when we talk about even people in marriage, you can have a marriage but lack intimacy. True intimacy, real intimacy. You can have sex but lack intimacy. The kind of marriage that God wants us to have is marriage that we can be completely vulnerable with each other. That's when you get to a place of real intimacy. A lot of people have unfortunately used the story of David and Jonathan to justify homosexuality. Their friendship, David and Jonathan, had the hand of God all over it. It was a spiritual friendship. It is our filters, which is our scars, our experiences, even world literature that has made us to sexualize this relationship. May I also say, as a church, the body of Christ, we have not done well in relating with the LGBTQ community. We have not done well in joining with people who have same-sex attraction. And for that I repent as a pastor on behalf of the body of Christ. We could have done better in the way that we relate with people who have these struggles. Like all of us, we are broken. Like all of us, are work in progress. Like all of us have sins. We have to all repent before the Lord. If you go to the next slide, Francis Schaeffer says, Biblical orthodoxy without compassion is sure the ugliest thing in the world. Biblical orthodoxy or doctrine or truth, if it doesn't have compassion, it's ugly. We need to show compassion and love to everyone who walks through these doors, who comes into our church community. We need to love them the way they are and let's journey together. And if you're wrestling with this issue, please let us journey together in finding God. Let's journey together in finding God together. I read about five books on this topic, and I want to just uh, advise, if you want to read any of these books, I found them very, very helpful on the topic of homosexuality to be specific. Sam Albury, who's a Christian who still struggles with same-sex attraction, he's written seven means of myths of singleness. And the one that I really, really recommend, I love reading this book, is, uh, is God Anti-Gay. Such a powerful book. I'm going to quote him just now. And Wesley Hill writes about washed and waiting. Wesley Hill is actually a minister. He, he, he says, I'm washed. 
but I'm still waiting for full restoration so that I can live the way God wants me to be. Gay Girl, Gay Girl, Gay Girl Good God by Jackie Hill Perry. What an amazing and moving story of a lady who uh, was raised in a broken family and ended up becoming a lesbian. And God restored her through church community to the point where she's not married and she's got children. And she's now an advocate of helping people who are struggling with same-sex attraction. Unwanted by Jay Stringer, such a great book of helping people, not just uh, homosexuality, but anyone who struggles with pornography or any form of uh, uh, sexual uh, challenges. So this is what Sam Alberry writes in the next slide. It sounds clunky to describe myself as someone who experiences same-sex attraction, but describing myself like this is a way for me to recognize that the kind of sexual attractions I experience are not fundamental to my identity. They are part of what I feel, but are not who I am in a fundamental sense. I'm far more than my sexuality. God's message for gay people is the same message as his message for everyone. Repent and believe. It's the same invitation to find fullness of life in God, the same offer of forgiveness and deep, wonderful, life-changing love that we find in Jesus Christ. So all of us are broken. I have been listening to this song on repeat by Israel and New Breed. The song is called Broken People. It says, God specializes in woundedness. It says, I love the way you embrace my brokenness. God embraces our brokenness. God is not afraid to go there to places that are difficult in our lives, like the way Sam writes. God wants to heal us. God wants to make us the best people we can ever be. So my prayer is that we will have friendships that will love us and not use us. My prayer is that we will have friendships that will celebrate who we are and who God has called us to be and push us towards greatness. My prayer is that we'll have friendships that will strengthen us and not drain us. So maybe some of us, we need to go home and reflect and redefine some of the friendships that we have. So here's some of the questions I've asked is you go home and ask yourself, the friendships I have, am I loved, am I seen, or am I just used? Go home and reflect, the friendships I have, am I strengthened, am I pushed to become what God has called me to be? And also reflect on how you may have judged other people. And maybe something needs to change in the way that you relate to other people. God help us as we want to do better in this area. Bible says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Let us stand to pray. So ask yourself, and ask the Holy Spirit to show you where there needs to be a redefinition in your life. Maybe it's a relationship that you are in right now, and... Uh, Things are not going the way 
they're meant to go. And if you need to get help, please seek help. Please seek help so that you can become all that God has called you to be. Father, in the name of Jesus, this morning we come before you, Lord. We humble ourselves before you. We know that your word is like a double-edged sword. It cuts deep even to the dividing of bone and marrow, soul and spirit. I pray, Father, that God, we will linger longer in this word and simmer longer in this word to hear what you are saying to us, Father God. Lord, we don't want superficial marriages so that we can just be seen as a lovely couple on Instagram or on social media. But God, we want to have real intimacy. Father God, we don't want friendships that look great on the outside, but on the inside we are dying. Father, I pray that God as a church community, we will fight for real intimacy that glorifies you, that glorifies you, Lord Jesus. Father, I also pray and repent where as a church community we have created barriers for people to not come into your house and feel loved and cared for, Father God. God, we want to do better in this area, Lord Jesus. Help us to love the same way that you loved. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Quentin.